Fancy Britches with Julia Dumay and Lisa Schinninger. And this week we're going to be talking about our guilty pleasures and our blind spots. Um, and part of what brought this up, and we're going to talk more about this after we've both go- gone to see it uh, when it comes out later this week, is um, the movie, upcoming movie from the Wachowskis, uh, Jupiter Ascending, with Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Sean Bean, of course. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, what's his name? Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, yeah. something Maine. Um, and it looks oddly not terrible, like cheesy in it, like ridiculous and cheesy, but like a pretty, like potentially a really fun space opera action movie thing. Um, but all the, it was like, like, I remember seeing ads for it last year and it was going to come out in, uh, summer, like last summer. Really, And then it kind of disappeared and now it's being released like six months afterwards and sort of it has not been sent out to critics at all when they did a surprise screening of it at Sundance they would not allow critics in so it sounds like it's gonna be kind of terrible um and I'm gonna go see it anyway yeah I'm gonna go watch it so hard the first the first screening I can get into I'm I'm there I'm really excited about it, and I don't. I didn't realize that it had been pushed back, and that's never really a good sign. Yeah, it's like a big, big. I mean, it looks like a tent pole. It looks like a big summer release um, because it's a space opera, and there's a lot of big names in it. And then it it looks really fun, and then it got pushed back to February, which is not typically a good time for big blockbuster action, um, space opera stuff. So like. Yeah, I'm a little worried about it that way, but like just watching from the trailer, I'm super, super excited. Yeah, it looks fun. And I was just talking to somebody on Twitter last night about it. Like, um, we've been burned pretty bad recently, like in the space opera arena. Like Star Trek, just what the fuck, Star Trek? That's all I have to say about that. Um, so and then like, um, what was the one? The the baby soldiers and Harrison Ford. Oh, guy, Ender's the Game. Homophobic yeah. guy. Yeah. Ender's Game. Yeah, Ender's Game came out and flopped so hard. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. like we there've been a lot of things recently that came out that we got really excited about, you know, like as big nerds and yes. <laughs> they come out and they just nothing happens and they're really terribly made. Um there was a couple of years ago um Burroughs as a princess princess of Mars came out as John Carter oh, and yeah. flopped huge. Yeah. Um and it's not really like a bad movie, but it was just I mean, it's not a great movie, but um, it's kind of got this, like, leaden approach. And, like, who knows who, like, who knows who John Carter is and who cares? I heard, actually, a very interesting theory about that um, from someone on, like, Dreamwith, I think. Some, Mm -hmm. like, in my, in some fandom circle, somebody speculated. They were like, you know, they bought the rights to that. And they sat on it for years and years. And this was, like, a couple years ago when John Carter first came out. And then they were like... 
and they just rushed it. Like, they yeah. did nothing. They didn't promote it at all, really. Like, if they wanted to, because it was Disney, I believe. Yeah. That, like, if they wanted to, they could have made it into a major franchise. And then they were like, well, I bet they're trying to get ready for something else. I bet they have some other space opera property. They, mm-hmm. she was like, my theory is they have some other space opera property they're getting ready for, and they don't want anybody else to make John Carter or to make Princess of Mars to buy the rights and make this movie to compete with their big space opera property. And oh, sure okay. enough, then Disney announced that they were doing more Star Wars. Um, oh, that's like, yeah. Oh, sure. They wanted to get it out before anybody else could make it when they did Star Wars to compete. Yeah, that's a good Wow, that's really a good point. Well, and that's the thing, though. Like, we all keep looking for the new Star Wars, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's our... I mean, in Star Wars, again, they're not perfect movies. And I'm only talking about the original trilogy. The mm-hmm. prequels do not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, except to give me really fun gift sets to use on Tumblr. <laughs> um, they're... But, like, that's what I'm always looking for is something else that gets a space opera that gives me that same kind of a feeling with characters that I really love and action that's fun and banter and... Um, great visuals and like a mythology that seems, you know, well, half baked now, but at the time, like while you're watching it, it seems really kind of fully formed and, and, and um, it worked well enough. It was, yeah. you know, it wasn't excessive and yeah. Okay. If you look really closely, it's not yeah, that. It kind it's of kind of flimsy, but it worked well enough for what you needed. Right. But then also if you discard the prequels, like a lot of the problems with the philosophy behind like, the worlds um make sense because now you don't have to deal with like midi chlory and all that garbage but like i mean there's a mystical thread of the universe that nobody in the movie really understands because they're out of touch with it except for the old guy who is mysterious for reasons um and those reasons being if he just lays everything out that he knows he's not going to convince anybody so he's got to reveal a little bit at a time (laughs) so it like works on a storytelling level and like that's what i'm always looking for in a space opera but they just don't deliver. Like it's really hard to, I think to find that mix of like humor and entertainment with like the action parts. Um, Guardians of the galaxy did it, but that's part of the Marvel cinematic universe. So it's not really like it, you can't really spin that off on its own to be a franchise. Um, Like we're not going to get six guardians movies out of that. Um, I don't know if we'd want six (laughs) guardians movies out of that. Um, but like, so that's why I'm excited about Jupiter Ascending because I do have this huge blind spot for mm. like space operas, like campy space epics, yeah. like warriors across the universe, heroes on quests, um, old guys who die before they can finish telling you all the secrets. Um, <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter. Um, like training montages, like everything I love in an action movie mixed with everything I love in a sci-fi movie mixed with everything I love in a romantic comedy. Yes. Um, Like that's what you get from a space opera. So that's why I'm excited about Jupiter Ascending. Although like every time it plays in front of a lot of movies that I've seen in the last month and every time I get really excited um, and there's a couple of lines where people like laugh at. So I'm kind of hopeful that it's going to be. Yeah. I don't know. They're lines that people are supposed to laugh at and they laugh at. So that's usually a good sign. Yeah. Um, But every time Channing Tatum comes on the screen and with his ears, like (laughs) exactly. That's exactly the reaction that happens. And it's like, Oh, (laughs) maybe potato. I don't know. I've got faith. I've got faith in the tater. I think he can. uh, I think he can pull it off. (laughs) 
Nice. He managed to make a movie about being a stripper. Like, like there was a lot of emotional weight to that movie and in his performance. So I'm, I'm confident he can pull off some elf ears. I think All he right. can do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I mean, like you said, I, that's probably a good place to talk about sort of blind spots in terms of sort of what we're going to go for every single time. Like we know Mm -hmm. there are all these problems with it. And they're so often as with space opera, they're just often so bad. Um, But we just, we're going to go see them every single time, no matter what. Um, And I'm like trying, I don't know. I've had trouble coming up with those lately for myself, but space opera is like yours. That's probably a really good example of just like, I'm going to do it no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, video games made it even worse because I'm going to, that opened up a whole new field of, a whole new genre, a whole new medium for me to explore them in. Um, And Oh, Mass! I just started replaying Mass Effect. So, oh, did you? this weekend, yes, and it's great. It's it's so fun. I needed a break from uh, Inquisitioning, so <laughs> I went back to to Mass Effect. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, just like you said, space opera is just such a good example of like there's and there's so much potential there for so many different kinds of stories, and it just seems like. It's only been, it's all been Star Trek, basically, Mm -hmm. recently. It's all been attempts to be Star Trek. And Star Trek itself was not Star Trek. It was just generic space opera. Like, if it did not have, especially the second one, if it did not have the Star Trek label on it, it would be perfectly cromulent, like, sci-fi action movie. Um, But it just... It didn't feel like Star Trek at all. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's disappointing. I'm, I keep thinking I have something to contribute, but I'm mostly just sort of restating what you said. So, uh-huh. well done. Well done. <laughs> well, yeah, I, like, I have a couple of blind spots, like stuff, like I'll watch anything on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's that same thing. Like, I'm just looking for... There's some stuff that you just know you're going to like. Like, it's going to hit the right spots. Like, it's mm. it tickling. Um, just, it doesn't have to be good as long as it's not terrible. Um, like, the comfort of it, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, like, there's also, you'd like, that risk of it might be great, you know? Like, um, like I said on the, uh, when we were talking about stuff that's cu- leaving Netflix, um Dread is a remake of a frankly not very yeah. good Stallone movie and it's I mean it was so good and the only reason that I watched it was because well Carl Urban and because it was um it was free on uh some channel we got like for the weekend like one of those free preview weekends or something um but it like hit the right spots it's like uh it's a comic book property it's kind of gritty it's kind of future dystopia kind of a thing and those are all like i'll try anything with those elements um and it turned out to be good but then there's times that you try that and it's just terrible like most of the stuff on sci-fi yeah (laughs) um where like you want to like it so much but it's just like what is happening like the effects are like a plastic snake (laughs) or you know um but then there's then you get the rare stuff of like sharknado that's so bad it's delicious like yeah um, 
That's so funny, though. Like, do you have any other blind spots? Because most of ours oh, seem to tend to wear, like, sci-fi stuff. So many. I I don't know. It's interesting. I think my blind spots tend to be more people. And mm-hmm. so actors. Um, right. And uh, like, although even, like, Sean Bean. Bean. God, yeah. <laughs> my my terrible, terrible, upsetting Sean Bean thing. Yeah. Um, I watched game of thrones for him that yeah. was and oh oh, oh, oh. Um, the less said the better both of us just go oh, oh. <laughs> um yeah and not so much genres anymore um because it just i don't know it's it's like well i'm just really cranky in general and kind of curmudgeonly and yeah. um a lot of a lot of movies just sort of all seem the same to me uh-huh. more and more um and i just i'm like you know that that one style just because you put a different costume on it doesn't really it's still sort of the same boring movie about a white guy and his many feelings right so, and i just yeah. i'm i'm not interested after a while um but yeah so it's more tends to be more people than styles mm-hmm. for me um, and those will come and go too. Like for a while, Kira Knightley was one of mine, mm-hmm. um, which actually worked out pretty well. I'm like, really, on consideration, yeah, makes, that went pretty well. You know, she makes good choices. Yeah, like one of her worst choices. It's not even really her fault because she was a child actor at the time. Was uh, Star Wars Episode One? Oh, where yeah. she- episode one i've never heard of it yeah i know it's this little thing it was it was a fan film i guess some some and you know they were trying real hard there was there was but it just didn't quite work but yeah she was one of uh padme's handmaidens in that and i'm like that's one of her worst choices and that's again she was a child it wasn't really her fault like so. and who says no to Star Wars? Star yeah, Wars comes exactly. knocking and you say yes, even if it's like George Lucas is like, look at my hand puppet that Ex- we're gonna use as the real thing. Like a hand puppet would be better than the CGI, really. You here's, know? Here's Jar Jar. It's just my oh. hand with some googly eyes <laughs> that on would it. Like. Probably be better. George Lucas with oh, a hand gosh. George Lucas's hand with googly eyes would probably be better for Jar Jar than actual Jar Jar. So. As long as they aren't using that step and fetch it voice. Oh, be... God. One person who did say no to, to Star Wars, Liam Neeson's. Oh, yeah. That's true. Because I maintain, I'm sure, like, at the end of episode three, it's supposed to be, they explain, like, sort of the whole Force Ghost thing. That mm-hmm. basically, like, Qui-Gon is the first one who figured it out in the afterlife. Uh, but they just sort of have to tell Obi-Wan, oh, by the way, Qui-Gon figured this thing out, so he's going to show you how to do that. I'm like, I'm sure they wanted to have him back to do that as Force Ghost, and Liam Neeson's <laughs> yeah. was like, nope. nope. George Lucas is not Liam Neeson's shit. No, not his shit. Not his shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my guilty pleasure, or my blind spots and guilty pleasures tend to be more like people. Mm-hmm. Uh, than genres these days. I don't know. Do you have any any actors for whom you will you will uh, watch pretty much anything? Yeah, here's my big one, and this is both my blind spot and my guilty pleasure. Although I don't really, we've talked about it before a little bit. I don't believe in the the term guilty pleasures. I mean, yes, it's not like a belief system, but yes, I just we'll I don't think it applies that. because if you enjoy something, like you enjoy it, like don't yeah. feel guilty about it, like yeah. unless it's 
you know, something really horrible and then please just stop. But, um, (laughs) and I'm not talking about like sci-fi movies. I'm talking about really horrible shit, but yeah, like if it's something like you like to sit around on the weekend and eat pizza and watch old episodes of Merlin, like do it, like enjoy (laughs) it. Enjoy yourself. Don't be ashamed of what people are going to say about you that you watch, you know, um, cheesy old BBC shows streaming for eight hours at a time or whatever. Um, like, I just think that there's not a lot, like, the, if you do it for your own pleasure, like, I don't think that you should feel guilty about it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I kind of have trouble with that term. But then oh, no, t- we'll have to, we'll have to come back to that, because I, I have times, many thoughts on that. Yeah, okay. Too, so. There's times that you, like, you don't, you don't need to tell everybody that you're watching Merlin all weekend, right. because nobody's going to understand your deep and abiding need for, like, <laughs> like cardboard sets oh. and... Giles, King rules Giles. About magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Giles is, is the king, is King Uther. Um, but like, so for me, it's people again, um, Elvis Presley, which oh, everyone yeah. who knows me knows that I've been on this like two year spiral downward of ever downward of um, listening to his music and watching his terrible movies. Um, but I will literally watch anything and I will drop whatever to watch and I was in line at the grocery store the other day and it was around his it was like his 80th birthday would have been this year oh, and there yeah. was some cheesy little one-off like look at all these pictures of Elvis like magazine oh, nice. I was like I must have it nice like, there wasn't even any thought in it I was like I will spend the four dollars yes um so yeah like that's a big like guilty pleasure I guess for me because I know that his movies are not great there's there are a couple that are really fun. Like Viva Las Vegas is a lot of fun. And, um, and Margaret is so great in that. And, uh, and then, um, uh, Crawfish. No, oh, is that the name of it? That's, I am drawing a blank all of a sudden. Mm. Um, like there's a couple of his movies that are terrible. Like there's a mid sixties run of, uh, of movies that are just really, really bad. The stories are bad. The music is bad. His <laughs> hair is bad. <laughs> like, um, there's Kiss and Cousins, like where he's wearing a blonde wig. Oh God! Like his own oh, cousin. That oh, mental image is horrifying. There's one no. where he's like, he does not like, have the coloring for no, that. No, 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 no. Well, his his original hair color, like his actual hair color, was like a like a real dark blonde, like a light brown. Oh, yeah, he I dyed could... it black, of course. Okay, yeah, but, but... No, the blonde wig is not a good look. And then no. there's a movie where he, like, ends up in the woods at this, like, cabin place, and he's, like... He's, like, a boxer. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, I'm going to have to come visit one time, and we'll just have a weekend of, like, booze and Elvis movies. Yeah, Because this sounds yes. terrible and they're amazing. They're just... They're awful. I... It's embarrassing, um, which is, I think, the heart of the guilty pleasure thing. Like, you don't want to expose yourself to embarrassment, but I'm so far beyond that. I don't even care. Yeah. Uh, King Creole is the movie I was thinking of. Oh, the song is go. called Crawfish. Um, King Creole is one of his only, like, really, like, artistic merit movies. Like, it's oh. actually a good movie. It's a good story. Oh. He's good in it. Um, after Almost immediately after they finished filming, he went into the army. Huh. Um and sort of derailed his career. Oh, and then yeah. Yeah. when he came back, he just ceded control too. Um, yeah. So he didn't really like, I think if he could have developed as an, been developed as an actor after that, I think he could have actually been something, but that's not what happened. Um, oh. So like, there's a lot of stuff like I'll watch anything. If it's on TV, I'll turn it on. I'll 
record it, uh, much to the chagrin of the people who share the DVR space with me. <laughs> where I just like stockpile these old Elvis movies. Like, no, don't touch it. Um, but there, there's some diamonds amidst the shit in there. Um, right. But that's one of them. Like, and I'll watch whatever, and I'll drop whatever to listen, and um, and nobody else seems to understand it <laughs> except for Aww. like people who are very much older than me. And then they're like, I went through that phase thirty years ago. Just Aww. chill out. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Um, that's sweet. But yeah, like, and another one is uh, John Wayne. Like, I know that the movies are ridiculous and he's ridiculous and he's, he can be a good actor, but most of the time he like kind of descended into parody, especially toward the end. Um, and so it's like, you know what you're, but you know what you're going to get? Like, that's the thing. Like when you take a chance on something new, um, you don't know what you're going to get, but I know if I watch a John Wayne movie, I'm going to get to see some swagger. I'm going to get to see some like, like I just can't even explain it. Like That's he's going to be charming to the ladies and the ladies are going to be like, what? <laughs> um, and he's going to be like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and there's going to be some casual racism and a lot of sexism. And I know what to expect, but I'm, I'm not going to be like, like a movie I saw this weekend um, where I went in expecting like a sexy, fun kind of thriller. Ooh, oh um, no. And it turned out to be like, okay, you know, I love the terrible garbage people doing terrible garbage things. Yeah. This was so far beyond that, that I was like, I actually, excuse me, I actually got up to leave and thought, you know, I was, I was planning to review the movie. um, So I had to stay and I just like, it was, I I took, I was sitting in the back row. So, and there were like four other people in the theater. It was not well attended. The movie was the loft. I don't think I said that. Um, which if you listen to the televoid, they've been anticipating that one for months because it looks so bad. It is so bad, but there was a, there's a scene about midway through. So I, I went in and it's about like these, these assholes who get an apartment so they can take their girlfriends there because they're all married. Um, so you go in expecting it to be like, you know, they're assholes, but I was expecting something like a horrible bosses level of asshole where they were Mm. all like kind of funny and personable and a little charming and Mm. like rogues, I guess. But no, they're all unmitigated assholes. And then there's a scene about, about halfway, two thirds of the way through, um, where it's revealed that one of, one of the assholes did something absolutely unconscionable like oh no oh god I'm and like the others imagining what that might involve in a the others movie and, yeah oof. yeah exactly and it's probably as bad as you're imagining oh, and god two of the others discover him having done this and they fucking cover it up mm. and i was just like i'm done like oh, this is geez. i got on my phone and i was like i was taking care of some emails and just barely nice. paying attention to the movie after that because nice. i was just completely done because like i said i went in expecting something kind of like fun and and like a romp kind of because it's supposed to be like this erotic thriller kind of a thing Ugh. really light on the eroticism let me tell you um and then i get slapped in the face with this really really awful thing and these characters who I mean, tacitly support it in the context of the movie because they don't do anything to expose it. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, if I wanted something that was, like, brutal, like, I would watch something that I already know about. Like, something where I know what to expect. Yeah. Um, Which is, like, I think why I keep gravitating back toward, like, my, my guilty pleasures because I know, you know, I shouldn't be getting as much enjoyment out of something where people are being, like, 
<laughs> murdered and eaten like on Hannibal. <laughs> but oh god, yeah. But I know what to expect, and it's not like I mean it gets really disgusting and gross, but also like is kind of comforting. Like yeah, I know, it's so over the top and not rooted in reality. Yeah, um, that's sort of and one of mine is probably Archer. Like I've mm-hmm. talked about it a little before, but it's just and it's similar, which is you know they're all so awful. Yeah, um, and it just. There's, first of all, it's sort of, you know, charming, awful. They are mm-hmm. occasional moments of, like, charming, while being charming while being awful, like you said. But they're also just, the show itself is aware. And the show just doesn't attempt to apologize for it or make them out to be, like, oh, they're secretly good people. No. They may right. have moments where they're not totally horrible, but they're still pretty horrible on balance. The show is not trying to do apologetics for them or excuse them and it just well like you said I think there's an element sort of of comfort food toward it and that may be sort of one of my things for guilty pleasures is that they're things that I just sort of what makes me feel guilty about them is that I feel like I should be watching more that's new to me and Mm -hmm. exploring more Um, but some. A lot of the time, I'm just like, I've, it's, you know, been a long day at work, or it's been a long week, and I'm like, I don't really want to spend my energy trying to, trying something new, when often it's going to turn out to be awful, and I don't want to risk that. I want to, I would rather save my energy for something that I know and that I already am familiar with. So I think sort of the part yeah. for me where things become guilty pleasures is the fact that I enjoy them over and over and over at all, rather than going out and trying new things like a grown up. Um, you know, like I finished watching another rewatch of 30 Rock this week, and I immediately started from the beginning again. <laughs> Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> Going to start all over again. Um, and you brought up a very good point, which was something I did sort of want to look at in general. Um, just sort of because I think we, first of all, it's important to differentiate between, you know, guilty and shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, guilty, they're not so much even guilty pleasures as shameful pleasures because you know guilt is more something you feel for your from yourself it's more of an internal experience and shame is more something other people do to you make mm-hmm. you feel guilty um so i think it's i don't know if there's a difference for you between things that you feel guilty about and things that you feel sort of ashamed of um i'm like trying to think of whether well, there's a difference for me and i think like I said, I feel like I should be watching new stuff, but also sometimes some of the people whose work I enjoy, I'm like, oh, but you're a terrible person, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to go see this anyway, your movie anyway. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think, I, because I've kind of tried really hard to reject that guilty pleasure label, um, because I think a lot of the time what gets slapped with that label are things that women enjoy. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, there's not Romance really, novels. yeah, there's not really, like, an analog for, like, a male-dominated um, mm. activity or audience um, focus that, that gets that guilty pleasure label. Because, like, you know, if you want to mm. sit around on Sunday and watch eight hours of football, like, 
12 hours of football nonstop. Like, that's a culturally acceptable thing to do. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. on the whole. Whereas if you wanted to sit around for 8 or 12 hours and read romance novels, like, that's not a culturally acceptable thing to do. It's yeah. also not acceptable to sit around for 8 to 12 hours and watch um, romantic comedies, like, mm. with your friends. Like, that's a that's a girl activity. Like, mm. you should be doing something else. So I think a lot of it is, like, a constructed sense of, like, women are when women do things for their own pleasure like it should be something that is shameful mm. um like 50 shades of gray is not a good book oh, it's a terrible i mean it's it's not just like not a good book it's actively a terrible book yeah um, no it's funny because that was exactly what i was thinking yeah, of that in like twilight as, when you uh, mentioned that i was like 50 shades yeah. of twilight well twilight is at least there's a story there and mm. I think it's I mean it's a stupid story in my opinion but it's like a well-constructed narrative it is compelling yeah it is and it, I mean it, compelling. it hits a lot of those like it hits a lot of the same notes that um the what's typically considered um literature for women which the novel started out as a really derided version of uh, a, a genre of literature because it was primarily something that women read um mm. So, like, the gothic novels, like, there's this whole tradition that comes oh, all the yeah. way down to Twilight. But then, like, Fifty Shades of Grey is not just bad. I mean, it's badly written. It's also irresponsible because it's oh, it's abuse dressed up Such as... Such bad, yeah. It's as like consent. It's yeah. abuse masquerading as BDSM. Yeah, exactly. So, it's like, like that... I think if women... Because it was primarily women um, mm. when it blew up. Like, every woman... you There were those articles, like, every woman was reading oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Um, and it become like this huge like blockbuster runaway bestseller because of that. Um, but most people would hide it. And I think when it started to come out into the open and become like this really like openly talked about thing, um, like it kind of was like a way to break through from that guilty pleasure thing. And like, mm-hmm. no, this is a, something that a lot of women are enjoying and a lot of women are going to talk about in public. I wish that it had been something better. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, oh. I'm glad that it happened because it did sort of like blow open these doors where guys like, I mean, late night jokes and serious conversations were like, you know, women want to read about sex. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how is that a new concept? Like women have been having sex for millennia. <laughs> like I would assume that some of them would want to read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and romance novels are one of the largest um, forces in the publishing industry. I mean, it's a billion do- a billion dollar enterprise. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a huge money machine. Oh yeah, this, the romance novel publication business. So like the fact that it's a surprise that women are and you know openly enjoy reading about sex. Like it's not a new concept. It's just newly talked about because it's been um, classified as as a guilty pleasure for so long. Like you should be ashamed of. Mm you know, getting enjoyment from this kind of thing and you should hide it and it should be something you only talk about with your friends or, um, or, you know, your relatives or your lady group. Um, but it's not something like, you know, you shouldn't be out on the subway with out a book cover on your book, your yeah. bodice ripper, like just yeah. hanging out for everybody to see. But like, that's bullshit. Like, no, <laughs> if you read what you want to read, enjoy what you want to enjoy and, 
you know, don't let anybody tell you that you shouldn't be enjoying it unless it's Fifty Shades of Grey and then listen to me because it's terrible. <laughs> it is find, terrible. It's find not, something. It's not that Fifty Shades of Grey is yeah. bad for, you know, social and moral reasons. Well, it is really irresponsible. The abuse yeah. thing is a problem. But it's not because you shouldn't enjoy reading about sex. It's just that you shouldn't enjoy reading about that sex because it's yeah. bad. You shouldn't, like, abuse done up as romance is, We can I recommend think... you better better yeah. romance oh yeah come and talk and better, to us we better will... sexy fiction than, um, than that there's actually if you go on twitter um almost at any moment of the day there will be people telling you better things to read um if you're interested in bdsm and like um actually like accurate depictions of it like you can always find somebody who's going to give you recommendations and if you don't know where to look come find us and we'll point you in the right direction oh yeah we can help um but like one of my my biggest peeves in the entire world and it's not even a peeve like i just it makes me really angry is abuse done up as romance like Mm. it's one of the most irresponsible things that you can do i think is to um to disguise abuse into something that women should expect and be you know um actively seeking Mm. um is an abusive partner because and so many of the tropes that we see as romance actually like when you get down to it like they are actually like abusive um i mean not everything and i think there's some things there's kind of like um a difference of interpretation sometimes but like you know the guy who will not leave you alone like that is not necessarily a romantic thing that you should be yeah like romances make that out to be and we'll talk about this more probably in our valentine's day episode when we're discussing romantic comedies but just sort of it's made up to be charming and funny and Mm -hmm. cute and sweet and no, it's creepy and horrifying. It's, <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're a woman, you're kind of cringing because you've had the guy who won't leave you alone. And he may, you know, that's not to say he's a terrible person or a rapist or he's going to do anything violent. He may right. just be socially awkward, but it's still awkward for you, too, and uncomfortable and creepy. And you don't want that. It's not right. sexy. It's not cute. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, like the. That's a really good point about circling back to the guilt versus shame um, thing. I just, like, I just keep getting hung up on that thing. Like, most of the stuff that I enjoy that gets classed as a guilty pleasure, it falls under the, you know, women enjoy this Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't feel like, like, we talked about um, space opera being our guilty pleasure. But that's not really the same thing. Like, Mm. um because that's kind of like especially now like when we were kids i think it probably would have been more um because like there was that nerd thing like, yeah and nerd- was comic book guy on the right. simpsons right your nerdery yeah. had to be hidden like it was yeah. a really shameful thing um that you should feel guilty about because like normal people don't interact with media like that but like our culture now is everybody interacts with media like that yeah um, game of thrones yeah True blood i mean these are huge cultural thing right They're like not, water yeah water cooler discussions used to be like talking about like what you saw on the tonight show the night before mm-hmm. or like the issue the issue episode of mary tyler moore like that would become a thing but now like water cooler discussion is like really sort of picking apart everything like everybody had a true detective theory going mm-hmm. into the finale you know mm-hmm. um everybody speculates on what's going to happen next on game of thrones people who've mm-hmm. read the book and, and people who haven't so i think like that that sense of like being a nerd or being a geek and being like over invested in things like that's not even 
being a geek isn't even really a guilty pleasure anymore because everybody's a geek. And yeah, there's a yeah. really good point somebody made. I don't remember if it was where it was, where I saw it, but um, like we've always acted like, like geek is like this subculture. Um, Star Wars was a mega blockbuster. Yeah. Everybody saw Star Wars. Like, it was not like a bunch of us in our basements were watching this thing on bootleg tapes. Like, everybody watched it. Everybody loved it. There have been, what, five (laughs) Star Trek series and and how many? Twelve movies now? You know, 13 movies? It just, it's, that's not, it's not a secret. It's not really something that's (laughs) hidden. Um, But it's interesting bring it back to what you mentioned earlier the geek was always sort of a male caricature Mm -hmm. much more you know it was again comic book guy from the Simpsons it's much more sci-fi is sort of thought of as a male guilty pleasure um and now it's even now that it's mainstream it's still god I again as as a woman who plays video games it's been interesting to watch that and um a I'll try to find it for our show notes. There was a really interesting writer uh, who talked about, you know, the gamer identity and the nerd identity and how, you know, again, everybody plays video games now. Mm -hmm. Everybody plays Halo or Portal or, you know, everybody's kind of picked up and played or Madden. Everybody's played something, you know, everybody has something on their phone that they're playing um, and right. sort of the, the gamer identity um, where it's become that and, and sci-fi in general, I think in a lot of ways has become like almost the opposite of a shameful subculture. It's a subculture where you have to prove yourself to be considered a fan. You have to prove, I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I don't just play video games. I, oh, you probably just play games on your phone. Oh, you actually play games. Well, you probably just play them on console. Oh, you actually play them on PC. Well, like, right. Of just, yeah. Well, there was actually, that reminds me. I just saw on Twitter, um, Anita Sarkeesian, who does the tropes against series. Um, some, guy was like prove you know like oh, prove to me in the next port. 15 seconds that you know who the bad guys are in oh, mass effect or something and yeah. she's like are you serious right now and one of the developers of mass effect i think it was mass effect um one of the developers was like don't worry you don't have to prove it to us we know you know nobody cares like it was that's just not like, even oh like, like at least pick an obscure game because right. that's i feel like that's that's one of the bigger games i mean yeah oh well, and like I love that. That's what I'm getting worked up about. As well. <laughs> like, pick I'm something like, obscure, you nerd. You know, really like, nerd. Um, the thing is, like Anita Sarkeesian. Like, are you kidding? At this point, you're going to pretend like she doesn't know anything about gaming. Like, yeah. Are you, that's all she's done for the past year? <laughs> like, what are you? What are you doing? And also, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, I'm not. If I go to like, you know, let's say the Who or going on their 50th anniversary of the tour this year right? oh gosh yeah and I, oh god yeah oh <laughs> i just need a moment just okay <laughs> um no if i go to see if i go to see the who and i walk in wearing the shirt that i bought the last time i saw them the only time i saw them um am i gonna get stopped at the door and asked like to name like you know what name everything uh, everything on quadrophenia in the original track oh, listing gosh, order yeah. like what the fuck? Like, nobody's going to do that. And I don't yeah. understand why that's something that, like, like there are there's a certain contingent of, like, 
geek that decided that they get to do that for people. Like, yeah. I'm not going to walk. If I had tickets to the Super Bowl, you know, God help me. And I walked in wearing like a Seahawks jersey. I can't even say Patriots. It physically pained me to even think oh. about saying Patriots. If I walked in wearing Peters. a Seahawks jersey, nobody's going to stop me and ask, like, who was the quarterback in, you know, 2002? And who was the running back? Who was the last running back who rushed for 500 yards or whatever? Like, it's not, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's no other, like, area where you can self-declare as a fan and somebody's going to pop up in front of you and be like, well, actually, how do you know <laughs> that, you know, like, the idea that there's a gatekeeper. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so it's, fucking ridiculous. It's interesting because it's sort of this sort of counter, it's almost the other side of the coin of, like, the guilty pleasure of just... And that still is in some ways. Like, you'll see people say, oh, I'm such a nerd. I am mm-hmm. obsessed with Game of Thrones. I'm like, well, you're not. That's one of the biggest show things on TV <laughs> right now. That, yeah. That's not exactly being a nerd. Um, but just sort of if it's genre or if you get really enthusiastic about TV at all, basically, uh, you're a nerd. Right. Um, and just, I don't know, there's an interesting sort of two sides of the coin where, like, Either you're embarrassed about it or you have to prove that you are a big enough fan to be considered a fan, basically. Mm -hmm. To earn the title of fan if you can't name everything, every single little piece of minutia. Right. Um, I don't know. And I feel like there's there's a lot of gender dynamics going on there in terms of what you're supposed to be ashamed of and what you're supposed to prove yourself a fan of. Yeah. yeah, I just, but I, I do not have, I'll need like funding for a master's thesis basically to untangle <laughs> that. Yeah, all I got that. really worked up there. Oh, yeah, because, <laughs> no, that's all right, because I, I think it is. Um, and I'll I'll probably mention this in my recs uh, in more detail, but, um, you know, in the, the 18th century was, 18th and early 19th century was when you really saw the novel period start to emerge Mm -hmm. as a form of entertainment um you know when printing became a a lot more widespread you know you had an emerging growing middle class who could spend money on on books um and uh the novel just period any kind of fictional work um, and the gothic novel grew out of that, which, right. you know, as we've talked, there's a straight line between that and romance novels and Twilight in particular. But just novels, period, were considered, I mean, people were saying the same things about novels that they said about Twilight, of just they're trashy, they're, there's no redeeming value, you know, our teenage girls are rotting their minds, right. reading this yeah. trash. Um, <laughs> just novels at all were looked down on. And were a guilty pleasure. Um, so just it's it's very interesting to sort of see the, the evolution of that. Now, you know, anybody can buy a book. It's just if you're, you have to be reading the right kind of book. Right. Um, to be taken yeah, seriously. Like the novel has become, it, it went from this thing that like women enjoyed. And, you know, if you look at um, Northanger Abbey. Um, oh, gosh, yes. You know, the the girls keep getting made fun of because they're reading these horrid novels. Um, and that there's this idea that there's like a good novel and a bad novel. Um, but even reading a novel at all, like there's no, like there isn't this literary tradition of there being like literary novels, like things that are important. And these are the stories that are important. Like there is now, like, um, 
you, like New York Times bestsellers are not always like the critically acclaimed novels like um and those are still overwhelmingly like white men like it's had this total shift between like they're written by women for women to the important novels yeah. are written by white men and they're for everyone and they're a universal experience even though they're all like about literature professors struggling with midlife crises oh, and banging God, yeah. nubile young students and it's like <laughs> <laughs> like there's again it's like this division of like if you're if you're reading something that doesn't fall along those lines like it should be a guilty pleasure um because there isn't anything like morally or academically enriching about mm. it um and again it's just it's all bullshit yeah <laughs> just, yeah it's just and you've touched bullshit. on something important there which is that even like and and sci-fi is less so now um, as we've talked about, but like even sci-fi, it's just there are certain kinds of sci-fi it's more acceptable to like than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and and superhero movies, it's okay to like them if they're bat if they're you know Christopher Nolan's Batman, right? Which is really dark and gritty. Um, of Boring. just that everything has to be. It can't just be entertaining. It has to be enriching right. somehow. Um, that there has to be some redeeming value or else it's a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it can be more and more really hard to draw the line. And a lot, in fact, for me, a lot of guilty pleasures are things that are really, really serious and quote-unquote enriching. I mean, one of mine is probably Sopranos, mm-hmm. actually, um, which, again, I like I call it a guilty pleasure because it's really, really dark sometimes, like unremittingly and not in, you know, fun, garbage, be- terrible people doing terrible things. Right. It's like these people are genuinely terrible um, and the things they're doing are terrible and there are some funny moments, but it's not a comedy at all. And, and it's in many ways it was kind of the thing that really that and really sex in the city were the ones that brought hbo to where it is now mm-hmm. um so it is like a big important show and i but it's almost my guilty pleasure because i'm like it just it's a slog it's it's it can be very difficult at times to watch yeah. um and it's it's very good but it's also really exhausting um, so it's, I mean, it's funny for me, that's almost what I feel more embarrassed by than, than the trash, um, <laughs> quote unquote trash. Cause I'm yeah. just like, ugh, it's so, it's such a, yeah, I love you know, it. It's great. That is, but I'm that just is like, kind of funny. like, I kind of feel the same way. Like things that are like, like one man's pain, like, oh, God, you know, yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's more of a guilty pleasure for me than anything else. Like, I don't want to admit that I enjoy, like, Supernatural. Oh, <laughs> like, gosh. Yeah. Which is called Brother Tears in my house. <laughs> um, like, it's... Yeah. Like, that's the trash to me. Like, that's... I don't care. <laughs> There's not much redeeming value to watching that. Um, yeah. Versus, you know, reading a romance novel or whatever. But I fully, fully admit that my uh, sensibilities are skewed. Uh, beyond the norm um 
So do you have, is, we talked about Jupiter ascending. I'm really oh, looking God. forward to yeah. it though. Me like, too. It's, I don't think it's going to be good, but I'm no. going to go see it really hard anyway. There was a um, surprise screening, I guess, at Sundance. And they yeah. said that like afterward, like the audience was like dead silent. And I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> like I can feel that in the pit Ooh. of my stomach. Yeah. Um, But that's a, like one of those things. Like I, even if it's terrible, I'm probably going to like it. Yep. You yep. know? Like Thor, the first time I saw it, I oh, thought it was incomprehensible gosh, yeah. garbage, and I hated it. And then I gave it another shot, and it became one of my favorites. So <laughs> it is; it's delightful. Yeah, I think it's, and it's hard to tell like ahead of time. Like you go in with these expectations of what it's going to be, and it becomes something else. Um, yeah. So there's no telling what's going to be your guilty pleasure or yeah. your new blind spot. Yeah, I guess. Off of that, for recommendations, mine actually would be, uh, my two biggest ones would be um, off of our discussion, and you mentioned it, uh, Northanger Abbey, I would definitely recommend, because Mm -hmm. that sort of, Jane Austen is very much like poking fun at that, um, at the gothic novel, uh, but also at the hand-wringing over the gothic novel. Um, She was like, look, you know, these are yes, these are ridiculous, but kind of not always for the reasons that everybody makes fun of them for. Uh Um, And so I would absolutely recommend that. And the 2005, I think, movie based on it from like, it was a TV movie in the UK. Um, I think it was ITV or, um, but it's, that's absolutely delightful. Like Carrie Mulligan is Isabella, um, which is so much fun. Uh, It just... I absolutely recommend that. And, um, oh, Cold Comfort Farm uh, also is just hysterically funny and sort of skewering the, a certain genre of uh, English literary with a capital L novel from Mm -hmm. the early 20th century. Um, she's really kind of poking at like D.H. Lawrence and, uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, but that sort of serious pastoral setting, uh, English literature. Um, and that's just a hysterical novel. And then my other, uh, guilty pleasure always is, um, National Treasure, which I've recommended before, but I'm going to recommend again because it's ridiculous and fast paced and a fun romp. And I would absolutely, I will curl up with it on a bad day anytime. Um, yeah. What are your recommendations? Um, I actually have, uh, I'm trying to think one of the ones that I would, I would say like guilty pleasure. Cause I feel like I'm probably not supposed to enjoy it as much as I do. <laughs> and I think I've mentioned it before is um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's like Archer. Like it's completely aware of how awful its characters are and it does not shy away from making them <laughs> awful. Um, and it's so funny though. Like, and you feel bad about the stuff that you're laughing at. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're just, they're, they're garbage, these people. (laughs) Um, but it's really, really funny. And it kind of pokes fun at a lot of like, um, conventions of entertainment. Mm. Um, like they'll set something up that you think that that's, they're going to become like, like heroes and they, (laughs) they take a total left turn and reveal that no, there's no, there's no redemption for any of these people. Um, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. I really love it. Like, I think there's some seasons on Netflix. I, should yeah, probably I probably checked. So. Um, 
and then like James Bond movies I really enjoy. Yes. Oh um, good point. Like they're even even the Roger Moore ones, like which are just awful, they're fun. Oh, Timothy Dalton. I just remember Timothy Dalton was a thing. Oh. Um they're all terrible. Like the the Connery movies are pretty good movies and then they just sort of descend into madness <laughs> <laughs> until Pierce Brosnan picks it up again and they become something entirely different. Um but if you watch the originals, um Connery my personal favorite is one of the most widely derided non-Roger Moore versions, which is oh. um, on his Majesty uh, on His Majesty's Secret Service oh. uh, with George Lazenby, who was an Australian oh, yeah. model, and it was his only outing as Bond. And I friggin' love it. It's so Excellent. stupid. All right, and I totally one hundred percent recommend that. Find that wherever you can and watch that nice. one. That would be my big. That's my. That's both a guilty pleasure and a blind spot. I will not hear a bad word about George Lazenby as Bond. All right. Um. Yeah, it's a delight. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Um. Yeah, and uh, you can, if you want to share some of your uh your guilty pleasures or your thoughts on on guilty pleasures and your own blind spots. Um, with us, you can find us online. Um, our website is realbossybritches.com. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Britches Podcast. And Tumblr is, I believe, the same. Is it? Yeah, Britches Podcast. Okay. And on Facebook, we are, I don't know what we are. I think Facebook. Bossy Britches just... Podcast is the name. Excellent. I don't understand Facebook. So Me neither. I don't. Um, I, I avoid it as far as possible yeah. so we're on facebook somewhere you may find us we probably <laughs> won't wandering. spend much time there anyway so um and you can find me on twitter at jules has tweets and lisa you are i am at oc fairer and uh my website is lisashenninger.com and i've got a review of the loft if you want to share in my pain all right don't go see it that's my don't recommendation go see the loft <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on. Get to it.